Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me once again to this uh, podcast. This is going to be the last episode for the Kabbalah series. The next series will probably begin next week. Okay, today we're going to talk about the Kabbalah from a magical perspective. Thank you for joining me, and let's go. Okay, so many religions, Christians, Jews, Muslims, they claim that they are the descendants of the people of the Bible. But the fact of the matter is that none of those religions, not a single one, by any stretch of the imagination, resembles the people and the customs of that is described in the Bible. Number one, the temples do not offer, they do not offer animal sacrifices. Uh, there is no holy of holies in any of the temples or in the churches or in the mosques or in the synagogues. There are no places for discussion where the rabbis can sit down and make arguments uh, according to scripture. There's no place for instruction, certainly. Um, and, 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 and in addition, there is a very clear indication archaeologically and, is, and according to scripture that there was music in dance in the courts of the temple. But there is no religion that resembles this. In fact, the, the the Mormon religion, believe it or not, has been, I think, in my opinion, being influenced heavily by the Catholic doctrine. And this is why I say that. In the temple, there's no place for discussion. In fact, there is very little place for discussion within the faith uh, with other members of the church. Uh, whenever an independent thought comes about, the person is recommended to go see their bishop. Of course, if you're going to go see the bishop, the bishop is going to evaluate whether that thought is worthy of a person to remain within the flock or to be somehow reprimanded or uh, excommunicated or convinced to let go of those uh, rebellious ideas. Uh, if, and also, there's also a lot of clear indication that the hymns that are in the in the um, in, in the hymnal of the of the of the Church of Jesus Christ, they, a lot of them were taken from Catholic hymns. Uh, and there is one big problem that happens for the Catholics, for the for the Mormons. And for also also for the Jews, which is kind of surprising, but it is a problem. The problem is the concept of the word God. Now, if we are to read the Bible or the Torah or the Tanakh in Hebrew, the word God doesn't really appear. There are many different words for God, and they all mean different things. For example, in the book of Genesis, the word for God is Elohim. Now, Elohim basically means judges, or I would like to think in a Kabbalistic perspective, it means enumerators. They're the ones that enumerate. Uh, this can mean many different things, depending on how deep do we want to dwell into Kabbalah. But, and, you know, it just, and then there's the word Al, there's the, 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 the word uh, 
sa um, Elohim Sabaoth, there's um, Shaddai Al-Chai. There are many, many different words for God. And so there's no one single word for God. And sometimes we have to evaluate whether all of those words are the same word. But since we're all thought to think the way the Catholics thought or think, we are forced to believe that all those words mean one single God. In my opinion, they don't. Prophets, like rabbis, they guide their people. And there are many different rabbis, there are many different prophets, and each prophet for their time. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But their job is to lead their flock within accordance to what they believe to be correct. And we're all humans, and we all commit mistakes. Now, some mistakes are bigger than others, and it's up to us for us to we want to either follow that leader, depending on how they wish to wish how they wish to live their life. But it's up to us to know and to, 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 to know what to do with ourselves and with our families, whether we want to follow a particular religious leader or not. Uh, today, it is obvious that in the order um, to, in order to survive in the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, we have to adapt and sur- to survive and to avoid criticism from the world. Therefore, our customs and habits need to fit within the bounds of social acceptance. And unfortunately, a lot of that social acceptance has been dictated by the Catholic Church. Um, because it just becomes the norm, the, what, what, the, what, what is normal. And any deviation from, from the standards of social acceptance, acceptance will result in a decrease of church membership or media ridicule or possibly lawsuits or not being able to, to get a loan or not being able to, to buy a house, etc., etc., if you know, if you were to say that in your house you want to uh, sacrifice lambs to your God, uh, your neighbors probably wouldn't want to live next to you, <laughs> and the bank would probably think twice before lending you the money, and you would probably have the police at your door uh, telling you why the heck are you sacrificing lambs, or why do you have a br- br- uh, a bronze altar in your backyard where you fill it with blood? Um, you know, it's just it's just. The fact is that our religion and our or our conception of God is very different from the conception of God of the Old Testament or even the New Testament or even the apocryphal and the non-canonical scriptures. It is quite obvious. And so we have to evaluate what does the word God mean, particularly because I don't think a single person in the Bible thought as God uh, either the Elohim or the Jah or the Al or the Elohim Sabaoth or the Shabbat or the Shaddai Al-Chai uh, they thought that that particular entity created the heavens and the earth that is a very Catholic thing to do and to say and the reason why they say it is because it's good for business in fact I think that Constantine the reason why he adopted Christianity as a as, as a universal religion for the empire of his empire was because it was simple and it was good for business before with the pagan gods you had to have to have to deal with the priest of mars you had to peel, deal with a priest of jupiter and apollo or aphrodite or whatever 
and therefore power was decentralized and faith was, faith was decentralized, and it was hard to control all these people. But if you were able to centralize the concept of God into, was, into one single entity, and of course represent yourself as a particular entity, it is way easier to control people, to pacify them, sometimes without a sword or without even having to go to that particular region. You can just send a priest and tell them they're going to go to hell if they don't do what they tell you, what, what you tell them to do, and they become pacified. And so it is simple. But unfortunately, that leaves us with the baggage of, like, what is God? And since we don't understand the concept of God from the perspective of Jesus, because Jesus also did not really quite specify what was God. He said God is love. That can mean many multiple things. But then to his disciples, secretly, he explained more what God is. The nature of the soul, the nature of the mind, the nature of, of, of the body, and the spirit. But we don't get that. And the reason why we don't get that is because those scriptures were just recently found in the last 100 years. And they have not been adopted and will likely will never be adopted into a regular canon. And the reason why is because it's bad for business. Um, Jesus, for example, he left the church, if you want to call it that, because he never called it a church. He left his spiritual practice uh, to Mary. Mary was supposed to be the priestess of that spiritual practice, not Peter. By the way, there has never, there was, there has, there was never been a church. Um, it was supposed to be spread the good news. And then the ones that were deep within Jesus's uh, council, they were given more secrets and more descriptions of what God is, how is the ascension that he promised is supposed to work. He, there are secret keys, there are secret passwords, there are secret uh, treasuries. There's a drama of Pisti Sophia. And, but we never hear that. And, you know, we never will have probably an institutionalized religion that will have all of that, or at least that will have any power because it's not profitable. And if there's no money to be made, there is no, there's no institution that, so that can have a purpose. And if there is no purpose, of course, it will not be followed. But, and, but let's talk about Joseph Smith a little bit. Um, that the, the church uh, distanced itself from the magical tendencies of Joseph Smith and on uh, others like the rejection of the Afrin, and on other non-politically correct things like the, the rejection of African-Americans within the church's priesthood privileges, um, many abuses towards the Polynesians, towards the Native Americans, and so on and so forth. But that was mostly for political reasons, uh, but then um, magic still lives within the LDS faith, whether we like to, uh, whether we like to, 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 to agree with that statement or not. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ, member, you know, they still pray for sometimes unrealistic miracles. The miracle, the miracles can be small, and some are can be quite quite unattainable. But, the, but then again, this type of behavior is not only unique to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, it's also common to to whoever, you know, wish upon a star with a, with a little mouse from Pinocchio. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just like a normal thing to wish for unattainable things. But Joseph Smith, sometimes he dabbled in something that can be considered kind of alchemy, 
that probably came from his dad or his mom. Uh, when you know, but back then alchemy also kind of mixed with medicine. Uh, also, they had the seer stones, the urim and tummim. I think urim is probably means something like light, so it probably is some type of crystal of some sort. And tummim, it was probably like some kind of like frame or square. Uh, and so, so there is magic in Joseph Smith's life. And after the Spanish were kicked out of Spain, the Kabbalists I'm talking about, once the Kabbalists were kicked out of Spain, a lot of the magical Kabbalah started to trickle down throughout Europe, throughout the Americas, throughout Marrakesh, and the Mediterranean. Um, one magical trait that is unique to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ is how most of them attribute certain blessed blessings to their apparent privileged status, to be perfectly honest. One phrase that, um, that, that members of the Church of Jesus Christ repeat to themselves and proclaim repeatedly, repeatedly at the pulpit is how the Church of Jesus Christ is the only true church. Therefore, it can be assumed that members of this church, members of the church are the only people on earth that are entitled to certain privileges and miracles at the expense of non-members or dwindling members. And so the belief in magic is, is, is uh, you know, something that is very tricky. The, the, the Kitab Hainan inscriptions dating to the, uh, uh, the 8th and 6th centuries before Christ contain blessings from, uh, from the scripture of Numbers uh, 6, 24 through 26. And this is the oldest archaeological piece of biblical canon. This description is, uh, is a talisman for the dead. And that is a magical implement uh, that, that basically bestows the power or the spirits of the Bible to, to, the, to, to, to this dead person. The Balaath of Endor, um, also is a sorceress who communicates with ancestors. Uh, there's also the, the demon wranglers in the Temple of Solomon. The whole Bible is filled with magic. And Joseph Smith's uh, life is filled with magic. Uh, and this is not the type of magic that can kind of be confused with science. It's like when you're talking about demons or when you're talking about seer stones, that is not science. That is using the power of your mind or communication with certain type, certain spirit for you to be able or for these particular people to to do certain things that other people cannot do. Uh, and but but the, so like the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, Jews have been placed in the position of assimilation and social acceptance, and this has changed over time. You know, this is not a new thing. It has been going on from the Babylonian or the Assyrian occupations and captivities, the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Church. And as a result, Jews today denounce that the Bible has used magic at all. And Jewish magic does not, you know, the kind that has never existed. But archaeological evidence and scripture, you know, say otherwise. And so... The, the, the creation of Kabbalah, the people that created it were very secretive. And there was a very good reason for that. Uh, the Kabbalists of Spain uh, were a very exclusive and elite group. Kabbalah was sacred and, and very prized, privileged, privileged knowledge. 
But as the Jews were being persecuted, uh, things started to leak. And so once the translation of the classical texts started to happen, Hebrew and Sephardic Aramaic started to appear in the form of Latin throughout Europe. Today, say that about 90% of Western esoteric thought owes its structure and existence to Kabbalah thought. Agrippa, he, uh, he's the classic of esoteric thought in, the, in, in Europe and, and, you know, old European languages mostly. And, and Agrippa borrowed heavily from, from, from Kabbalah. Today, that esoteric thought is manifested in the form of tarot or, or astrology and so on and so forth. And so the ability of Joseph Smith to speak um, also to angels can be considered as a form of magic. And Kabbalah has recipes for that. Um, there are different forms of Kabbalah, but there's a particular form of Kabbalah that you can summon spirits and the spirits start to tell you certain secrets or places where they can find treasure and so on and so forth. And uh, Joseph Smith was a Freemason. And during Joseph Smith's time, Freemasonry had a huge influx of influence from French Freemasonry. Uh, we're talking about Martinez de Pasquale type of influence. And these particular men, particularly Martinez de Pasquale, also introduce things that we consider magical. There's a lot of Kabbalah, there's a lot of Gnostic Christianity in his writings. And so I'm pretty sure that Joseph Smith was exposed to this type of knowledge. Because when people back then became Freemasons, there were many different privileges to becoming a Freemason, but one of the privileges was um, new pieces of knowledge that came from the old world. Um, you know, the Freemasonry of Martinez de Pasquale became the Elus Cohen, and there was a lot of Kabbalah that seemed magical, to be perfectly honest, or it had also ritualistic underpinnings of magical ritual and magical incantations, a spirit, invocation, and evocation. Uh, and, you know, as a Freemason, Joseph was, was, you know, he obviously had something to do with that. And, uh, and, the, and also the progression of grades during the Masonic process uh, is a very Gnostic Christian process. And, you know, these had to come from French Freemasonry. Uh, but these particular process is called the, the, the Merkava initiation process. Uh, you can find some of that uh, in the Book of Jew, J-E-U. Uh, and it can be said that maybe uh, the temple ceremonies were highly influenced by Martinez de Pasquale indirectly. So let's say Mormon temple ceremonies took some stuff from Freemasonry, sometimes perverbum, and the Scottish and English Freemasonry took it from the French, uh, particularly the Escochen of Martinez de Pasquale, and Martinez de Pasquale probably most likely took it or adapted it from the Book of Jew, if he indeed have a copy, or or something similar, because the the great advancements and the tokens and the signs and the steps are all very reminiscent of the Book of Jew, which has been archaeologically proven to to come from the time of Jesus. 
anyway. So, so, so this is my, my, my spiel on, uh, on magic, uh, Kabbalistic magic, uh, how it might have influenced the LDS faith. And uh, thank you so much for your time, and have a great one. Bye-bye.